0: Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Jesus Christ came, and he came to bring us back to God. He came to bring man, men back to God. And so that's why we're here today. That's why we're here every week um, but this time of year we give special attention to the, the birth of Jesus, the coming of the Son of God into the world for our salvation and to bring us back to God. Um, I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 2 a few verses, and uh, I want to talk to you for a bit this morning. Here's, here's my aim this morning. This is it. Piece of cake. Very easy. I want you to know peace. And I want you to deliberately be a peacemaker, okay? From this morning, from our time together, for you to know peace and for you to be zealous about making peace wherever you go. Luke 2, it's the same as our memory passage for this month, verses 8 to 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. God, you are a God of peace. May the God of peace soon crush Satan underneath your feet, it says in Romans 16. You are the God of peace. You're a God who will establish peace on the earth once again. And we want to receive it today. We want to receive it, live in it, walk in it, make it where we go. And so help us this morning by your spirit, exalt Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and point us to him so that we see him, we're in awe of him, we love him as we ought to, we want to abide in him and stick close to him because he's the Prince of Peace, and we, we leave with peace. And, and when we get out of sorts throughout our week, we know where to go to get it, to get peace. And, and we go to make peace where we find ourselves. So, Lord, come, we pray. Um, Speak to us, direct us, lead us. May your presence be here thick this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is peace? How would you define peace? Do you know if you have it? You probably for sure know if you don't have it, right? How do we get peace? These are all questions that are massively important. Oftentimes we think of peace, and and we should think of it this way, but it's more than this. Like getting a weekend away, right? Getting a weekend away to just be refreshed and nourished and kind of get away from the office or the noise or whatever responsibilities or pressures we're feeling in life. So we just get away for a weekend or a long vacation, or if you're a mother with children, you just, sometimes you just think an hour away from the kids. woo, Peace, right? Sounds good. And those things are right and true. But peace is much more than that. St. Augustine, about six, 1,600 years ago, a long time ago, said this. He said in a prayer to God, he said, Oh God, our hearts are restless. You just see it. Is that true about you? Do we struggle with restlessness at times? I know that I do. He said, Oh God, our hearts are restless and we find no rest until we find our rest in you. And so we are creatures made in God's image. We want peace. We look for it. Oftentimes we look for it in all kinds of places Lots of times in all the wrong places. We not only try to look for love in all the wrong places, we look for peace in all the wrong places. Anxiety, fear, stress is at an all-time high, I think. I don't know. I guess I live in this age, so it seems like it is. And there are constantly new things that we could get nervous about, worried about, stressed over, be anxious about. Our own personal lives... The lives of those that we love, you turn on the news, oh my goodness, another thing to feel this creeping anxiety about. Is the world going to end? Are we going to get involved in another war? All this stuff going on with the racial tensions, all these things can cause us great anxiety. The word peace in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word that is translated peace is the word shalom. It's used over 200 times in the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. So it's a, it's a huge theme in the Old Testament. The word shalom is much more than just a little bit of tranquility. It's much, much more than just a little bit of reprieve from the office and the stresses of our day. It certainly wouldn't be less than that, but it is much more than that. Shalom in the Old Testament means universal flourishing and wholeness and completeness. From the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, at every stage of creation, God looked at what he made and he said, it's good. He said, it's good. It's good. Day two, day three, it's good. Day four, it's good. Day five, it's good. Day six, he makes human beings and he says, wow, this is really good. And he plopped Adam and Eve in a garden called the Garden of Eden and the garden was a place of perfect shalom, perfect completeness and wholeness, universal flourishing. There was no problem in the garden when Adam and Eve were first there. But then, of course, we know what happened after that. Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. They, they bought into the lies and temptation of the serpents. They ate the fruit, and everything went wrong after that. Immediately, we see fear and anxiety come upon Adam and Eve from the very second. It says they ate the fruit and they looked at each other and said, oh my goodness, we're naked. And then they heard God walking in the garden and they said, oh my goodness, we need to hide from him. Not long after that, what happened? Hatred, bitterness, and murder with Cain and Abel. God's intention in creation, God's creation was perfect and good, and he created it to have shalom, universal flourishing, wholeness, completeness. Sin ruined it. Fast forward about 6,000 years to 700 BC, roughly. In Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah prophesying, speaking on God's behalf, says... Unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And it goes on to say, And his name shall be called, among other things, his name shall be called Prince of Peace. So God's intention, his name shall be called Prince of Shalom. God's intention was to reestablish peace on the earth. To restore, Matt used that word, restore, restoration. God's about restoration, restoring people and restoring the earth. To peace. This prince of shalom will come. It goes on to say, and of the increase of his government and of peace or shalom, there will be no end. Fast forward another 700 years to the birth of Jesus here. This angel of the Lord appears to these unassuming shepherds. These shepherds were not, they were not power brokers. They were not, okay? These were losers. They were nobodies, okay? Some some commentators even say shepherds at that time were considered outcasts, and some, some were even thought of as being thieves in the nighttime. When they're wandering around with their sheep, they would, you know, take stuff that didn't belong to them. They were nobodies, okay? These were not big shots at all. They were far from it. They were anything but that. An angel of the Lord appears to them. And announces this amazing thing. Something had broken into the world. Something amazing had happened. In a nearby town that very day. The angel said I bring good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. This will spread so far. It will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David. The city of David is where David was born in Bethlehem. A Savior. A Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. And after an angel, the angel of the Lord announced this to the shepherds, other angels appeared to them. It says, it says a host of angels. A host of angels is, uh, signifies, or host is a military term. And so when it says a host of angels, like the host of God's armies of angels appeared with this a- angel of the Lord and began singing this song. This is the first Christmas carol right here. And it's this, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Glory to God in the highest, to the highest degree in the highest possible way and peace on earth. So an angel appears and announces this amazing thing. A Savior's been born. He's Christ. He is the Lord. This is the one Israel's been waiting for. He has come. And there's two outcomes of this Savior coming that the angels sing about. And it's glory to God in the highest. What does that mean? The glory of God is the manifestation of who God is. God manifests himself right before our eyes or to our senses, and he reveals his glory. Well, Jesus coming was glory in the highest. God had come down. We sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, veiled incarnate deity, pleased as man and with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, God had come down veiled in flesh. I, you know, I just was struck with the words of the song. Mary, did you know this morning? Um, it's not usually a song that comes to my mind this time. I mean, I hear it, but it's not one of my favorites necessarily. But I was so amazed by it. When you kiss this little baby, you're kissing the face of God. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus came on the scene, those who looked at him, they saw God incarnate. This was glory in the highest. God coming down, humbling himself. I talked about this two weeks ago. God coming down and humbling himself in the most profound way. Coming down was glory to him in the highest. So the first outcome, glory to God in the highest. And the second is on earth, peace. The Prince of Peace... The Shalom that was lost back in Genesis, and things have been broken since then, that was prophesied in Isaiah 9, that this Prince of Shalom will come and he will spread his government and peace. Shalom without end. He has come. He's come. He's actually come on the scene. He's actually come down to dwell among us and spread this peace. Now the phrase is interesting when it says peace among those with whom God is pleased. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but it's not universal peace to all people without condition. It's peace to those who receive the Prince of Peace. If I could just put it very simply, it's peace coming to those who receive this Prince of Peace because those who receive this Prince of Peace, God is pleased with them. God loves them. God will pour out peace upon them. God will pe- put peace in them. Now think of your life. Think of your life right now as I think of mine. Is there anything more relevant to talk about than peace? Think of our world with all of the chaos, all of the hatred, all the anger, all of the strife, all of the fear and anxiety, all of it, all the stress. Is there anything more relevant for our world than peace? You know, president after president after president has been trying to get some kind of peace accord between Israel and the other Middle Eastern nations. Is there anything more relevant than a prince of peace who will spread peace without end? This peace that is talked about here, this shalom here in New Testament, it's not the word shalom, it's not Hebrew, but same idea, this peace that comes to us, comes to us as we receive Christ in three directions. In three directions. It comes to us regarding our past, regarding our present and regarding our future. This peace comes to us in light of our past. You and I all either have or do feel the weight of past regrets and failures. We either have or we do. And this peace is meant to come to you in order to be the remedy to deal with your past regrets and failures. There are lots of ways that people try to deal with past regrets and failures. This is the remedy. See if this tracks with you. Sometimes I can replay things over and over and over in my mind. Things that happened five years ago. If only I hadn't done that. If only... I had taken this job instead of this job. And if only I had done something different with my money, or if only I hadn't been so foolish with my money, or if only I hadn't committed this grievous sin back then, things would be so different now. Sigmund Freud, who um, probably is, uh, maybe he's not looked to as much today, but probably the grandfather of popular psychology, he... In his studies and work with people, he noticed something. He didn't discover this, but, but, I, but he, he pointed it out, which I think is insightful. He, he knew that man's most fundamental problem is guilt. Guilt for failures. And, but rather than pointing them to God because he didn't believe in God, he wanted to, to try to direct them to a diagnosis And medication. Our most fundamental problem is is guilt. And when we have these feelings of past regrets. And failures. It's because something hasn't been dealt with in light of Christ. In light of who Jesus is. In light of what he's come to do. Right? He's come to make us new. He's come to reconcile us to God. God and sinners reconciled. So what is this remedy? What is this remedy for a heavy conscience over our past? The remedy is, well, it's Jesus. If you said Jesus, like you got the right answer, right? The answer is Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, this is a verse you should memorize. Therefore, it says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Since we've been justified by faith, you and I, if you've been justified by faith, you trust in Christ, his pronouncement over you is not guilty, now and forever. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if God looks at your past as redeemed, and says, you are accepted by me, even though you have failed in the past, then who are we to bring up our past failures and sins and hold them up as something that is going to steal our peace that Jesus bought and paid for on the cross? The second way this peace comes to us is it comes to us in the midst of our present pressures. In the midst of our present pressures, Jesus said something interesting. Everything Jesus said was right, but he's hit it right on the money here. John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We got it, don't we? I mean, I look out among you and I, and I know some of what some of you are going through and I realize you got bigger trouble than I do, but we all have it. We all have, we all do, we all will. It's almost like we talk about the promises of God. That's a promise we probably don't like to talk about. In this world, you will have trouble. We have trouble with our health. We have trouble with our families. We have trouble in our marriages. We have trouble with our kids. We have trouble with our jobs. Miscarriages happen. Death happens. We have trouble. Jesus promised it. But in the midst of all of our trouble, in the midst of all of our pressures, our our, our typical response is, Lord, just get me out of this. Isn't it? Just take it away, God, or, or just, just take it away, or take me to heaven. One of the two. In the midst of our troubles, we all have it. We just want the trouble gone. We just want the pressure. We want the anxiety. We want it just out of here. So, how do we deal with our present tr- pressures and troubles? I love Psalm 131. I love Psalm 131. Listen to these words. This is David speaking. Unless we have romantic views of David, he was a sinner. I mean, mean, you'd read the story about what he did with Bathsheba and to her husband and all of that to cover it up. I mean, okay, he was a king too. He had lots of pressures. Here's what David said, Psalm 131. "O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. What do we do with our pressures and our troubles? Oftentimes we run to some kind of, we try to medicate it with something. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's literally some kind of medication we got from a doctor or with food, or with entertainment, or with all kinds of different things. David would point us to God. To God, coming to God like a little helpless child. Just want to sit in his arms like a weaned child, full of rest. Coming to God to unburden our hearts with all the things that trouble us. And don't you dare, don't say, please don't say, oh, you know what, if we really had faith, we wouldn't be burdened. Baloney. Jesus was burdened on earth. And so was Paul. Jesus was a man of sorrows. He had lots of trouble in his life. But we want to come to God with all of our burdens. He's the God who daily bears our burdens. And we want to be like a weaned child just sitting there in the arms of our everlasting father who is really strong, really big. And there's another passage that I think is just fantastic in light of this. And it is Philippians 4. Many of you know this. Some of you could probably say it by heart. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that sweet? I mean, that is a promise. Don't be anxious about anything. But in all things, with all of your anxieties, I mean, don't, don't hold on to them. Seek to be rid of them. Seek to unburden yourself. Bring them to God supplications, prayers, pour out your heart to God. And what does it say? And the peace of God that passes all understanding. That is peace, right? I mean, I, I think this has happened to me a couple of times, but have you ever been in just something really challenging? Now, maybe others would say that doesn't seem that challenging, but to you at the, in the moment, man, it was big. And in the midst of it, you had peace. You had no clue why you had peace. That's peace. Beyond understanding. I don't understand why I have peace right now, but I do. Now, notice what Paul says in this passage. He doesn't say, bring your request to God and he will take all the problems out of your life. No, it says, he will bring his peace down. His peace will come down upon you. And it will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. His peace, the very peace of God found in Jesus, will guard you like a fortress, like a mighty fortress in Christ. And peace comes, or excuse me, peace comes to us in light of our past regrets. Peace comes in the midst of our present pressures. And peace also comes to us in the face of an unknown future. We would love if God was a fortune teller for us. But he's not. I'm not saying that God doesn't at at different times maybe give us understanding of something that's in the future or prophetically reveal something to us. But God is not a fortune teller. He knows the future. But he doesn't reveal all of it to us. And so, because... I struggle with this. I want to control things. It'd be helpful for me to know the future so I can just really kind of micromanage it, make sure it all works out. But because I can't control things and because I don't know the future, God wants us to trust him with the future. He wants to fill us with such glorious peace regarding the future our financial future, the future of our children and grandchildren, the future of our work, our living arrangements, all that stuff, okay? He wants us to trust him. He wants us to draw from his resources of peace in light of the future that is totally unknown by you and I. <clears throat> Now, there's something that is encouraging, and we don't just blindly say, okay, well, I'm just going to let go and let God. No, we want to trust something solid about God, right? So we want to come to Jesus, this little baby born in a manger 2,000 years ago, roughly, who grew up to be a man who died on a cross for our sins and rose again and ascended on high and ever lives to make intercession for you and me. He lives right now. I mean, it's like, this is all he does. That's an overstatement. But he lives right now to intercede for us. That's peace. Wow, that gives me peace. I mean, man, if I know my wife's interceding for me, that's awesome. If I know a large number of you are interceding for me on a situation, that is precious. But if Jesus is interceding for me, I am set. And so are you. And he knows the future. In fact, he has the future in his hand. It's probably been a few months ago now, but we, as we made our way through these chapters in Isaiah, Isaiah 46 has, I I love these verses. I think it's verses 9 and 10 says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. And then listen to what he says. Declaring the end from the beginning and things that have not yet happened, saying my counsel will stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Right? He's declared the end from the beginning. He's got you in his hand. He's interceding for you. He knows the future because he has spoken the future from the beginning. You and I are set. Peace in the midst of an unknown future, in the face of an unknown future, no matter how daunting it seems right now. The angel of the Lord and the angels that surrounded him said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Not only does peace come to us now in the midst of our, in light of our past in the midst of our presence, and in the face of our future, but the future of the planet is peace from one corner to the other. I find this deeply encouraging. Is your view of the end of things just that the world is going to somehow kind of explode like like this is going to be nuked like this giant nuke is going to fall in the world. Maybe it's God, maybe it's Satan. We don't really know for sure, but it's just going you know, to be incinerated. The Bible says that God's purpose, not only for you personally, but for the whole world, the whole cosmos, all of creation is restoration. His purpose for the earth, this planet, this earth we live on is peace. Shalom. Shalom. In the garden, Shalom, it was broken. He's been on the war path to bring it back to the earth. And his end goal is peace in all the earth. The Prince of Peace, remember the one that was prophesied in Isaiah 9, that we know is Jesus now, who's come to bring this peace to you and I and all who receive him. It says of the increase of his government, he's a ruler. The increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. You go outside and you just kind of twirl around like this. You just say, in every direction I'm pointing right now, peace is going to spread without end through Jesus. How that happens, I know there's different... Views of eschatology, we're not going to get into that today. Does it happen progressively? Does it happen cataclysmically almost all at once when Jesus returns? We're not going to get into that here, but just to know. The earth will be filled with peace in the end. And that is beautiful. Perfect shalom will be known. Perfect completeness, perfect wholeness will be known. Perfect, flourishing, universal flourishing from sea to sea. The entire world will be flourishing. Here's what Isaiah chapter 11 says. It gives us a glimpse of this. Isaiah 11, 6-9 says this, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze together in the open field. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Verse 9. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Listen to this, for or because the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that amazing? Isn't, I mean, isn't there something deep in you that so resonates with that? You're like, I long for that. Perfect peace. No more strife. I mean, anywhere. Anywhere not just saying in your home, like you guys have worked through some things, amen to that, but perfect peace, no strife anywhere found in the whole world. That's our hope. That's why Jesus came. He's the Prince of Peace. Well, it's great for you and I to receive peace personally. And I hope you have it. If you didn't coming in, I hope you do now. I hope you leave with it. I hope you have received some truth here today to help you navigate life in a troubled world. So you know where to go to get peace. It's great that you and I can receive peace and live at peace in our own hearts personally. But it's not enough. It's not enough. If you have received Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and if God's end for the earth is peace, if God's end intention and purpose for all of planet earth is peace, then be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Not just someone who wants peace. Not just someone who is really, you know, easy to get along with, not touchy, not, I mean, you know, you you can pretty much live at peace with people, um, but someone who is pursuing peace, deliberately trying to make peace. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five, in his list of Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers, there's something about them. Peacemakers, that there's just a sense that they belong to God. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Be a peacemaker. Is there anyone in your life right now that you're not living at peace with? Well, first of all, don't be okay with it. Maybe it's too painful. And so you've just kind of maybe gotten to the place where it's like, Okay. I'm kind of at rest right now because we've some distance and time between me and this person. But pursue peace as much as you possibly can. In Romans 12, I mean, realizing that sometimes people don't want to live at peace with us. Romans 12, I think it's verse 18 says, be at peace, as much as you possibly can, be at peace with all people. Be a peacemaker in your marriage. Be a peacemaker with your kids. Or your parents. I came to the realization, really, over the last three weeks or so, with my kids and then with Alyssa, that there are times when I get almost this adversarial approach toward them. Like, what? That is so wicked. (laughs) I'm not trying, I'm not working for peace. I almost feel like I'm at war with them. I realize with young kids sometimes it's like, it is such a battle. But there was something wrong in my heart. Be a peacemaker with your neighbors. Be a peacemaker with your siblings. Be a peacemaker. Ooh, man, are there any teenagers in here? Be a peacemaker with your siblings. Be a peacemaker with your coworkers. Make peace. Make peace. Wow. That just hit me as I said that. Make peace. Hebrews twelve fourteen says this strive for peace with everyone. Strive for it. Fight for it. Don't fight for your way. Fight for peace. If I could put it this way, be an activist for peace. In conservative circles, the word activist kind of denotes, you know, like, ooh, we're kind of, we don't like that word, you know. Because we think of, we think of um, liberal activists, you know, talking about things we don't agree with and trying to push it down our throats. But is there anything that we should really be an activist for above peace? I mean, is there anything worth pushing? Because if it's peace, you wouldn't do it in a certain way. But is there anything worth pushing more than peace? Through Jesus Christ. Strive for peace with everyone. The first Christmas carol was sung by angels to just a couple of shepherds and their sheep. And it went like this Glory to God in the highest. The Prince of Peace has come, veiled in flesh. God has come down to spread peace. Glory to God in the highest imaginable way. And on earth, peace among those with whom God is pleased. Don't settle for mere notions of peace. Don't say, you know what, I hear what he's saying, but what I really need is vacation. No, vacations are great, take it, okay? Okay. Amen. I don't want to be the vacation Grinch here. I'm not. But you need more than that. Because otherwise you'll come back from vacation. And if you don't have peace in your soul through Jesus Christ, you're going to have the same problems when you get back. Don't settle for notions or cliches or platitudes about peace. Let's sing of it. Let's sing of the peace we receive through Jesus. But don't even settle just for singing about it. Open up your heart today to the Prince of Peace. Receive today the Prince of Peace who has come to give you peace with God because of your past failures. Peace in the present, in light of all of your pressures and troubles and difficulties. You name them. He will give you peace in the midst of them. Peace that passes understanding. And peace through Jesus in the face of an unknown future that we don't know, we cannot know, but he holds it in his hands. Peace does not come apart from him. Peace does not come apart from valuing supremely the Prince of Peace. So, are you a friendly place For the peace to spread his government of peace. The prince of peace to spread his government and influence of peace. Let's open up our hearts to him. We sang the song earlier. Open up your hearts and hear peace on earth and goodwill to men. The king has come. The prince of peace. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom God is pleased. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, well, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our Savior who was born, Christ the Lord. We thank you for this good news of great joy. We thank you that peace is possible. We thank you that it is offered. We thank you that it is freely offered even here today. Even in the preaching of your words, like Jesus standing here presenting himself saying, take me and all of my peace. And I pray that you, Jesus, would find a welcome home in the hearts of everyone here. But I know that you also must open up hearts. We must do it, but you must first do a work in our lives just to open ourselves to you. So I pray you do that this morning. God, I pray this Christmas season would be one of insurmountable peace, of of glorious peace, of peace that we, man, like we've never known before. Because we're finding it not in circumstances, a change in circumstance, but we're finding it in Jesus who came to spread peace without end. God, I just pray your blessing over every person here, over every family. Those that are not here, I know a number of family, or at least a couple are sick, and some are traveling. Lord, I just pray, um, Christmas blessing over them that Christ would be more real and near and precious and present this season and it would spread just like Jesus came to spread peace without end. I pray, it would, I pray that what we receive here today and in this time together would spread beyond today to the end of this year and into next year and the next and the next We do give you thanks, God. You are good and gracious. And so we say, like the angels did, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. In Jesus' name, amen.